Did you know that right now there's a group of people running the business of their dreams? They are respected leaders in their field, working with clients they love and serving them profitably. Now, are they famous? Depends on who you ask. They're not signing autographs at the grocery store or taking selfies every five minutes. They're not trying to be everywhere on social media. Yet when they show up at trade events and conferences, they are recognized and sought after. They're the ones everyone else looks up to. They're the next generation of thought leaders in their space. So what's their secret? Well, they've become famously influential to the right people, and so can you. Today, we'll dig into the story of one of these leaders and deconstruct how they became micro-famous. You won't just come away inspired, you'll come away with a new strategy and a new way of thinking. So while your competition is scattered, chaotic, and chasing every shiny object, you can move forward with confidence and clarity. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, agency founder and author of Microfamous. And if you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, let's get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I have an amazing guest here addressing a very critical and urgent problem that I know a lot of friends and clients are having, which is what is happening with live events? And in lieu of live events, what can we do to bring in new clients that would normally just sign up with us at events? Uh, you might be in the position of being a speaker that is all of a sudden, you know, in the place where you can't go speak at live events. So you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, how do you go virtual? Uh, you might be looking at putting together a virtual event. And you're not sure if there's sponsorship dollars available for that. Uh, or you may, you know, have relationships with trade associations who are asking you these types of questions and you're not sure how to help them, but you know there's an opportunity there if you can just figure it out because they've got a huge audience or they've got access to a big email list and they might be willing to promote you if you can help come up with a solution. So that's what we're talking about here. My guest today is Michelle Nicole McNabb. She is a really, really interesting and super niche down consultant. What she does is help convert hybrid and virtual event campaigns into actual effective business opportunities. She comes out of the event marketing and logistics space, but she's carved out this incredible category for herself where she works with um, B2B and B2E uh, sponsors and brands uh, and you know the types of companies that would either headline sponsor or buy a booth at an event or want to put one of their executives uh, into like a keynote you know situation plus a booth like all those types of, um, of companies and as opposed to being like the event planner that deals with the logistics of giving the, the attendees a great experience, she's the one that comes in and helps the companies actually have an ROI experience, right? Which is they, they sponsor an event, they show up to the booth and all that. And what are the, all the other things that need to happen around that in order to actually get ROI from the event? So she helps work and consult with those companies uh, that are sponsoring events to make sure they're getting an ROI. And so we went way down the rabbit hole on events. What's happening right now? How long are things postponed? What are some of the things that people are trying that are actually working, right? So we talk about hybrid events, She's got some ideas and, and some case studies on that that she's working with that are really, really fascinating. We talk about some models for even doing a combination like broadcasting certain things into local events, you know, uh, having smaller uh, events in multiple locations, like all of that stuff. We go deep on that. We also go deep on just what it takes to really pull ROI from an event, ways that you can build relationships, and a super, super ninja strategy for using virtual events to build relationships with strategic referral partners that can bring you the same clients you would normally get from an event. So I know this episode is going to be super, super helpful and fascinating. Uh, and I wanted to give you kind of a sense of who she is and her background because in this conversation, we really just jump right straight to the good stuff. So with all that being said, uh, make sure to connect with Michelle on LinkedIn, check out our YouTube channel, check out our website. All the links are in the show notes. This is Michelle Nicole McNabb, and let's bring her in. 
Michelle, officially welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. I'm super pumped to have you. We've had some great conversations behind the scenes, but now we're going to uh, basically get to, to pick your brain because you're someone that I know a lot of my clients would love to talk to. They would love to get time with you because you have, uh, I think, the answers to some of their biggest questions right now. Um, and I went over that in the intro. So let's talk a little bit before we get into your background and, and just kind of how you've carved out a space for yourself and become micro famous in that space. Let's talk a little bit about just as we record in the first part of August of 2020, where where is the event industry and what's kind of on people's minds, especially the ones that are putting on the events? What are they thinking? Yeah. So first and foremost is what type of event are we talking about? And that has been a really big question and really come to light. So depending if your event is a conference, if you're using events to speak, are you using an event to sell Are you using it as a lead generator, as a trade show? Um, So really some of the terminology is being better defined, I'm finding, not just in the space, but for instance, a webinar. Hmm, Is that technically a virtual event or is that a digital seminar that can be used as a virtual event? And so what I'm finding is one, when everything kind of shifted, it was the questions of what do I do and do I shift? Do I cancel? Do I go virtual? And now it's, well, how do I do that? And what does that look like? And what are the best platforms? So some of the questions and shifts, rather than finding a venue, a physical venue, you're going through the same process, but different qualifiers and different questions. How are you going to accommodate your event? with the right platforms, with the right logistics and speakers, for instance, I know you have some speakers and authors, they could be amazing on stage in person and how can they shift their same talk, the same content, their same field of genius, but shift it into a virtual setting or also a hybrid setting. And we can talk about that also on the podcast. So really kind of going from that shift of, how we've always expected it into, oh, it's an event and really defining what the objectives are and what that looks like in a virtual or hybrid space so that you can really pinpoint the format and the right technical platforms to accommodate kind of the back end and ease of getting your message out there. Okay. So you mentioned the hybrid. Let's tackle that first. So what do you mean by a hybrid event? Hybrid is when we have some component in person and also a virtual track. And so a great example of this, I'm working with a conference who has always done in person. And it's actually a great way to offer, think of TEDx. If you're familiar with the TEDx sort of format, you could have a main stage video production team, main stage. So there are some people with a small audience, but now we can broadcast that. And that broadcast virtual track can either be to individuals at their home or what I've been calling boardroom broadcast. Mm -hmm. So if you have a small group, let's say they're targeting higher education, so institutions, Mm -hmm. they could have their institutions in their own local group, their own local boardroom to experience the event. So even though it's a virtual experience, now what you can do is tie in in person experiences in smaller groups so you have that virtual track but in person component rather than a virtual would be 100 percent online your speakers are with a ring light and a webinar uh sort of format versus a hybrid would have some of those in-person uh components as well 
Yeah, it'd be similar to when they broadcast a, a Broadway play or a concert live yes. into a movie theater, right? You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're watching a live event take place that has a live audience, even though in this case it'd be small, but you do get a little bit more of that live feel. And then if you're sitting next to five or 10 other people who are also consuming that content too, you're not yes. just sitting around in your pajamas at home. And to me, that's the weakness of all these virtual events. Yes, exactly. And I have some examples too as to, I know we're on a podcast, so they can't see it, but there we can do what I call event in a box Mm -hmm. where we can actually send these touch points before, during, and after. So that boardroom broadcast, could we send them a curl rig and K-cups and have a sponsoring uh, boardroom broadcast where we send napkins and snacks and, you know, have that experience Mm -hmm. or for people at home, what sort of workbook can we send them? What sort of tactical experience can we send them as a touch point? So even though it is online, you're experiencing, you know, I've seen happy hours and you get a margarita mix and everybody's <laughs> having, you know, a co- it's the same That's experience smart. together. I have another um, contact and they do a parade every year at their conference. They have their conference and then they go to an offsite uh, for kind of like a networking and every year they do a parade. They're doing a parade. They're doing a virtual. Everybody gets a tambourine. Everybody gets a drink delivered within their ticket. And that way they can experience that is a part of the brand for their event. So yeah, those are some fun ways that I've seen kind of those in-person experiences being brought into the virtual space. Yeah. See that that's really smart. I've never heard of that before and, and I could totally see that working for, for example, associations, right? So trade associations, will have, they'll have all their local chapters and they're struggling with like what to do. Uh, yeah, I just, I never believed that events would go virtual in the sense that like, like Zoom events and, and essentially what's been called just online summits would ever replace physical events. Exactly. To yeah. my very first point of the podcast, I, what is the intention of the event? Uh, because there's so much more available than a Zoom. You know, an, another partner of mine, they only do events on yachts. And I'm so excited for this because she has yachts all around the country that can accommodate, let's say, 50 to 60 people. And so you take an association that's used to having 500 people, 1,000 people in one location. What we can now do is take that same conference and actually disperse it to their local chapters. And so you could have, again, social distance, you could have all the proper measures, but actually experiencing and have multiple locations rather than investing hundreds of thousands of dollars, let's say into one venue and a large room block, you can now have that experience in your local chapters, but it's the same content, you're experiencing that same event, and you can still network with everybody in that association. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, how, how long, in your personal opinion, are people already pushing off physical, like large scale physical events? Are we already seeing them pushing them into like this time next year, like summer yes. of next year? Well, okay. So I really work well with trade shows, conventions that mm-hmm. have some sort of uh, summit to it and so think of like a multi-layer you have you can have a conference and you can have your speakers or a keynote that doesn't have a trade show expo right so i work very well with these multi-day these multi-day with large expos uh international they're not coming back how we know them to be anytime soon where these conferences or smaller scale and as i mentioned more regional i've already seen them in florida 
in um, multiple different places and how they're setting up the social distancing they're happening but with a lot of regulations but yeah. those again it would be more of a smaller uh ratio you know to the scale of the venue um and also i'm not seeing international Th these are very localized people aren't necessarily traveling to go there they're more localized um mm -hmm. and those would be more like one track objectives you know it's for a couple hour summit it's for um networking those mm -hmm. are happening um i think as a larger scale associations things of that sort i really think that they're going to leverage and i think it's actually a great concept because i've i've been excited to see some of the digital tactics and let's take networking how can we continue those conversations back on linkedin and back online so when the door closes your event doesn't have to end those connections right. shouldn't have to end and so i'm seeing that happening um so again as far as the large trade shows and demos and these companies that use those sort of large uh trade show booths they're not coming back quite yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, some of the large ones are even being canceled 2021. And so the industry just right. kind of follows that. But right. the smaller ones, or how can we break it up? Like I mentioned, take your association and uh, split it into two or three throughout the year or three different mm -hmm. locations. I'm seeing that to be more popular. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so let me throw out a, a theory or an idea. So like one of the things that I do in the podcasting world is, especially with newer clients, is rather than trying to get them to, to go straight to their audience and generate a lot of sales from the audience right off the bat, I really encourage them to like, hey, let's go find your strategic referral partners and let's get them on the show, right? So do you see like, like if I was running a big event that used to sign up a lot of people, the first thing I would go is, okay, well, if I can't run a big event, let's run a small event, but let's focus that small event on my strategic referral partners. Are people doing that yet? Uh, that has been something that I've been encouraging for years <laughs> and I'm excited that people are, oh, that makes sense. Okay. And a great example, you know, I, I like to paint the picture in a tactical world, right? So for instance, I had someone that I was talking to and she runs, uh, you know, health and beauty, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you could go to your end user and she wanted 50 people at her event. And she was going one by one by one doing the direct outreach. She had paid yeah. advertising. She had a radio ad for her local because she was going to target, you know, women that needed, you know, especially with quarantine, you know, they, they finally want to get their hair done or their nails done. Right. Rather than, so we had one conversation and we tweaked it and said, Hey, if you approach who are getting in front of these people and also could be strategic partners. Mm -hmm. So these could be yoga instructors, fitness, nutrition. They're also getting in front of them and invite them. And now you're just tapping into that network within a matter of 48 hours. She was able to sign on those strategic partners and fill her room of 50 people wow. in a matter of a few days. But so absolutely spot on. That's just a case study sort of example mm -hmm. of the power of, you know, tapping into those relationships. And that's also, I see the value when I do work trade shows and conferences, when you have that 24 hours before the show, 48 hours to have those conversations, go on the website well before these events to see who else is exhibiting and sponsoring. Mm -hmm. 
because they're getting in front of your mutual audience. Start that conversation ahead of time so that when you're setting up your booth, when you're building those, you can start referring one another. You can better understand how your synergies and your services can complement one another. Mm-hmm. And if you like one another, hey, have you stopped by, you know, Bradley's booth? You know, by the way, I would love to make that intro. Mm-hmm. And vice versa, as they're stopping by their booth, if you have that relationship with those strategic partners mm-hmm. and they pick up and they know what to listen for, they're going to say, hey, have you stopped by Michelle Nicole's booth? Like, have you met her yet? I would love to make that intro. Right. So it goes both ways. Um, and yes, I, I'm, I would like to see that more and more. It's definitely right. something that I push. And that doesn't, that's not exclusive to events. I just foresee that being a really great way to have some of those uh, targeted audiences so that you can get into more networks and more strategic partners. If you can build one relationship that can introduce you to dozens, if not hundreds of their similar audience, you're doing a lot less time, money, resources, and you know, to build those relationships, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think everybody, everybody is a gateway to other people. Some of them are gateways to hundreds of people, um, yeah. but everybody is a gateway of some point, uh, of some type. And uh, that, for some reason, that's really hard for people to wrap their heads around. I was talking to, so I used to do a virtual class with one of my co-hosts on another podcast. And it was for the real estate space. And we talked about how to build up a strategic referral network based on what I was doing. And he just told me here like a few weeks ago, he's like, yeah, when you would like talk about that stuff, I just kind of tuned out, like check my phone and stuff. I didn't really get it. It's like, but now I really understand that like you were really onto something. I'm like, thank you. Yes. You were the co-host on the class. What do you mean you were zoning out and not paying attention? Exactly. You know, and a great way to kind of bucket this is so many times entrepreneurs, business owners, they're taught to network, Right. And really what they're being taught is their elevator pitch and their, that sales pitch. Yeah. And they, they could master that in 30 seconds. And I challenge to say, hey, when you recognize that that's not a prospect that you're talking to, and if you can identify that they could actually be a potential strategic partner, you're not selling to them. It's not necessarily relevant to give your sales pitch. Do you have a strategic partnership pitch? Right. How can you serve your strategic partners. And a great example is I work alongside with event organizers mm-hmm. because event organizers can get me introduced into dozens of their exhibitor sponsors. So if I build one relationship with them, I need to know how I'm serving those event organizers and what sort of value can you add? And how are you going to explain that in two to three sentences? Yeah just like you would a prospect. And I think that that's a fun challenge, so to say, to ask business owners, entrepreneurs is great. You know your sales pitch, you know your elevator pitch, you know what you serve. How can you serve people that can introduce you to a bucket of people? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and the funny thing about that is that requires a little bit of thinking and a little bit of mind shift to giving first which entrepreneurs just struggle with. Like we're so focused on growing our own business. It's hard to think of growing somebody else's first, but anyway, that's a whole other thing. Okay. So (laughs) one final question, then I want to shift gears and talk about how you have found and carved out a niche for yourself. Cause I know that's going to be really fascinating to everyone that's listening. But before we get there, uh, you work a lot with the sponsors. So the people that are ponying up the money to be at a trade show at a conference, is that money just going to sit on the sidelines or are they looking to spend it? Uh, is it one of those things where they've got to spend it by the end of the year and they're just not sure what to spend it on? Give us some insight into what are they thinking? 
Exactly. This has been a fun topic, especially the last few months. I'm actually working on a case study because of how popular this question is. For the organizers, they're saying, where are our sponsors this year? What are we going to do? Mm. And sponsors and exhibitors are saying, where are we going to reallocate this? So to paint a picture, uh, if you're working with, I work a lot with B2B and sometimes B2E. And what happens, especially if you're running marketing and business development, one thing to keep in mind is these sponsors and exhibitors don't walk into their office or come to their computer and acknowledge themselves as sponsors and exhibitors. They are business development. They are marketing managers. They are the account executives that have the decision as to where are they going to invest 5,000, 10,000, 25,000 into which platform. So that's the first shift that I throw out there because Again, if they're making a decision and running a marketing division, and let's say that you have a certain amount of budget, it's not that your event and travel budget is depleted, it's that it could be reallocated. And if you can uncover and ask those questions, hey, where are you reallocating those funds? What is working for you right now? How are you now attracting and getting in front of your audience? And if you can be that platform, to get in front of them, or if you are a speaker sponsor, asking those questions to say, hey, you know what's working for me right now is jumping on these webinars, jumping on podcasts, and you have an audience, I, how can I get in front of your audience? Because if you're willing to reallocate those tactics, it's not that the budget's gone, mm -hmm. but when you approach a sponsor, and this is what's happening, hey, will you sponsor my event? Will you sponsor my virtual event? And I know this from doing this case study. It's very interesting. Their immediate thought is, oh, we don't have an event budget this year. We're not oh, doing events this year. Yeah. Rather than having that shift and saying, hey, you know, how are you reallocating what's working for you? Where are you putting some of your digital and virtual marketing dollars? And they're going to talk. They're going to say, we're doing webinars. We're focusing on content. We're doing mm -hmm. podcasts. We're doing whatever it may be. And then to see if there is alignment that you can create that into some sort of campaign. Mm -hmm. So what's working for you? How do you deliver your message best? So if you are an author, is there a way that you can distribute your book to their audience? That's a great touch point. Like mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier in the show, right? Yeah. So um, how can we shift those? And that's a big thing that's happening and where I'm helping some clients associations, they are so used to having a sponsorship package that only serves at the event. You get a 10 by 10 booth, you get opening remarks, you get a breakout session, you get mm -hmm. to sponsor the, you know, networking. And so what's happening yeah. is yeah. that's, that's not a package. And yeah. so if, if you no longer have an in-person event, that opportunity is no longer there. So how can you create a win-win for your speakers, for your sponsors, for these sales teams that can introduce, let's say 90 days before the event, the week of the event and post event. Mm -hmm. And having kind of that mindset and what sort of tactics, um, that's just creating those sort of packages. And it's been fun and interesting to see how we can take that same $25,000 package paint the picture to that company and say, look, this is what you paid us last year for four days. Mm -hmm. This is how we can convert that into really a 
you know, four month campaign virtually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, and that's such a great segue because that's essentially what you help <laughs> events do and sponsors. And I know you work with a lot of the sponsorship side. Um, so how did you stumble across this particular niche? Great. So uh, transition in a nutshell. Here we yes. go. So background, logistical planning, 17, 18, I'm going to be an event planner. Yay. What I knew back then was logistics, right? Who yeah. needs to be where and when? Right. What needs to be where? How does it get there? What time does coffee come out? So that's where I started. That's my background. Went to school at Penn State. They have an amazing program, got hands-on experience, graduated, got a big girl job in corporate doing sales in the mortgage industry. <laughs> so meanwhile, kept doing logistics on the side. You know, that's what you do in your 20s. Wanted to still have that logistical. Okay. Fast forward in corporate, knowing my background, now knowing that I had years of experience in the sales and how the operations work, they actually opened a business-to-business -business division. So you have call center, and when they open that B2B division, what that looked like is you have outside sales reps that are building relationships with other businesses, other brokers, other accounts, and so most of that sort of marketing is very targeted, and surrounded events work extremely well. They're going to their offices. Right. They're doing lunch and learns. And I had some of these sales reps saying, Michelle, I want to do this networking event. I want to do this conference. Can we go here? Can we get this approved? And so to support, it's more of that integrated marketing and sales relationship mm -hmm. that works extremely well. And to go to the CFO and say, hey, I understand that this is what our entire campaign looks like. This is what we're focusing on this year. Here are the product launches. This is what we're doing. By the way, here's how we can create a successful before, during, and after. Can I pretty please have the funds <laughs> to send our sales teams to these sort of events? And what does that look like? So that's, that's the foundation. Ultimately, I didn't want to only do this for the mortgage industry. I have that itch of, I saw the gap of there is so much noise, so much out there. And even event managers, logistics is needed. I partner with them. Mm -hmm. To make a successful event when it comes to your sales and marketing teams, the, these can be some of your loudest influencers. So you have ticket holders and you have your sponsor speakers, exhibitors. Mm -hmm. Typically those are the two revenue sources and oftentimes your organizers, they have a solid plan for their ticket holders. They have sequences, they have advertising, they know exactly what those packages look like. You are taken care of from soup to nuts and they know how they want to get you back. On the sponsorship exhibitor side, guess who that was sitting in corporate? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you better believe that we're not just going to one and there were different ones that I could pick up on. How are my sales teams being treated? Is it easy? How, what is the logistical process, but are they getting success? Do they have a concierge to address all their needs? Do we have a system that works? Are we getting in front of the right people? All of these things that go beyond the logistics and that's the gap that I found and that I could serve that is needed beyond just the mortgage industry. And so now I have this urge and this uh, process, right, that I've worked and developed from working in corporate doing it. And then the past couple of years been able to shift and actually showcase studies that it, 
it does work in the B2B, B2E, you know, creating this, I call it my six foundations. So your strategy, your logistics, your outreach, your nurturing, your sales, and your metrics. Beyond the logistics, that way, as a sponsor, as an exhibitor, if you have, let's say you have $10,000 and you're making the decision, I want to get in front of my audience. Am I going to put that into Facebook ads or LinkedIn ads or um, whatever it may be? Or do I want to spend 10000 and go to three different events this quarter? Mm -hmm. And one reason why I love events and what I emphasize is you can find out the intention of why your attendees are there. So if you think of events as a platform, mm -hmm. And you're getting in front of your audience and to ask those questions from the organizer. And if that organizer can actually break down not only how many of that audience is your ideal, but why they're going, are they going to learn? Are they going to shop? Are they in a position to, you know, consider your services mm -hmm. where in a Facebook ad you're going off of demographics and lifestyle. Mm-hmm where you can really pinpoint the right events and the right relationships and actually understand why pe people are going to events with intention. Right. You don't go on Facebook to scroll through ads. You don't watch Netflix to wait for the ads. You go to an event with the intention. Mm -hmm. And so that's where making those decisions, where you're going to put those marketing dollars, put those uh, business development. That's why I choose events. And then how do we do that? But it's no different if you have a Facebook ad, you're going to have some sort of manager or agency to say, okay, this is what we need to do before, during, after this, is how you're going to be successful to get mm -hmm. the most bang for your buck. That's what I really have shifted and where the need is. And then communicate, bridge that gap between organizer and sponsor, mm -hmm. and then also the sponsor and the attendees so that there's that success. Right. Yeah. And that there's, there's, we could, we could dive into the, the system part of it uh, a lot, but, but I, I know that to right, no. right now everything is up in the air with events and stuff like that. However, I will say that that, that system does, like you said, like it applies to no matter what kind of event you end up hosting it. Like if you were to do like a hybrid event, like we talked about earlier, they, they still need, they still need all that nurturing. They need, they need a sales process. And, and what you're doing is you're working with the, on the, sponsor and exhibitor side and making sure that they actually get ROI out of this. Because yes. the worst thing, like if you're an event planner, especially if you're working for a trade association or something like that, is if this is going to be like a model that we have to continually fall back on, if, if events are going to be put in jeopardy for the next several years, which it looks like they might be, unfortunately, yeah. um, what you don't want to do is you come out of the gate with one event and, they, and, the, and all those companies walk away going, I didn't get a single customer, right? Exactly. Because then they're just that, then there really is going to be no budget for you <laughs> next time. That's, that's right? exactly it because they have that system in place for ticket holders. Mm -hmm. And so that's where partnering as soon as you even have the opportunity to have a conversation with an exhibitor and sponsor, it's about them, not about how amazing your event is, not mm -hmm. how amazing, you know, the experience and all of that, because what they want is that legion and connections yeah. and meaningful connections? And can you provide that? For instance, if I have this case study that um, they bring about 500 people in the higher education space, this potential okay. sponsor says, I want 50 marketing professors. Can you do mm -hmm. that? 
Well, we can get 500 people there. We can blast you out to 15,000 people on our subscription list. Can you get us in front of 50 marketing professors out of your, right? Out of your subscription list, out of your audience, they could care less necessarily about 500 people. They want 50 marketing managers. And if they can provide that as the organizer, it's worth it to them to continue the conversation. If it's not, if that audience is not even able to be delivered, it's not necessarily worth the conversation. If the organizer doesn't know, if we don't have that data, if you don't have that audience. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Cause yeah, Facebook, Facebook advertising has really changed the playing field because when you can go and you can target exactly who you want, or even LinkedIn ads, if you wanted to target yeah. marketing professors or marketing managers, like you can go find them. It'll yep. cost you five to 10 bucks a lead, but you can put a message directly in front of just those people. And yeah, right. I think trade associations are wildly unprepared for those <laughs> kinds of questions. They have no idea. Right. And I think that just goes back to also, for instance, you're not, you really also have to break through the noise when you use advertising where events when done correctly, they're coming to you and you're right. already accelerating that customer journey because they are choosing to be there. They're, t- they're basically paying their ticket to be your connection mm-hmm. because they know that there's some sort of value, but if you can better understand that intention and understand there, there are systems out there. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. You can ask your attendees, why are you attending this? You can get that data information so that your exhibitor sponsors can tweak their content. They can customize it specifically so that it makes sense so that you're actually resonating with the intention where on Facebook ads, like I mentioned, you, you absolutely, you can get in front of a lot of them, but you're starting at block one and breaking the noise. Yep. So there's, there's some of that give and take, but yeah. it doesn't do any good if the association isn't collecting that sort of relevant information that the exhibitors, sponsors want. Otherwise, absolutely, they are going to go and invest that same dollar into mm-hmm. another sort of marketing tactic. Right. Yeah. So the money is out there. So I think that's, that, that's one of the messages that I take away is they, they may think at first, like, depending on how you ask them the question, they may go, Oh, we don't have an event budget this year. Yeah. But there's still money there. You're doing things, right? Mm -hmm. So the question is if you're going to be spending money on all this other stuff and you're just basically taking that money and trying a bunch of stuff. Um, and so the question is, if you're going to do that, like, Hey, let's try this. And, and, And here's my plan for how we can try it and make sure it actually generates ROI. Let me be the platform. Yeah. Yeah. Let me be the connector. I can get you in front of that audience and I can get you in front of that audience with intention. Mm -hmm. I just need to understand what those tactics was working for you. And sometimes these businesses, because they're shifting, they don't know what, how they should reallocate. And that's where I'm helping them as well. Um, Because I can tell you from running a marketing division, um, if I had a hundred thousand dollars, let's say for events, and that was all of a sudden, I couldn't put them into events. I wouldn't want to deplete that because come next year, the CFO is going to have a much harder time signing off on that, including that. Oh, mm-hmm. well you did it for this amount last year. Mm-mm. I want to yeah. put spend it every somewhere dollar <laughs> as the marketing, right? As a business, if yep. they're giving, if, 
but to become creative and say, okay, we just need to reallocate. So that question in itself has been extremely valuable. Um, and like I mentioned, this $25,000 sponsorship to paint that picture, mm -hmm. to show them. And it is a journey. You know, I see a lot of times people create these packages, gold, silver, bronze. They have this, you know, full deck. They're just jumping to the sales pitch. But coming to an exhibitor or sponsor, it's a high ticket sale. I don't care how you cut the cake, right? Mm -hmm. That it needs, you need to one, make sure that one, the intention is there, that it's still relevant, that what they're doing still makes sense to your audience. And just have a 15, 20 minute question, you know, intro call just to see if there's alignment. They yeah. could be completely, so many companies have had to shift their offers. So yeah. by you assuming what they were doing last year, um, just to have that 15 minute conversation and say, you know, we're just re reaching out to our network, people that are in front of our audience. How are you serving them? What is working for you? What is it about them? And then as an exhibitor sponsor, being approached that way, then you now have the option of where do I want to put my dollars? Mm -hmm. Where do I want to put, it's a marketing campaign. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and just even at the human level, it just shows that you care when you approach a sponsor that way. You actually care about what they are why. And you'd be surprised, like most people don't care or, or give it a second thought. Right. They assume that, well, yes. because you, I'm going to, I'm going to put you in front of certain million people that ROI is just going to naturally come. And I think you're, you're bridging that gap because you yes. know, as well as I do, that's ROI is not at all automatic. Your exhibitors and sponsors are not donors. If you want donors, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To give you money to support your event, you're looking for donors. Right. Because donors do care about your cause. Donors want to know how many dollars to, you know, their hundred dollars are going mm -hmm. into the board and how it's broken down. And no, 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 no. Your exhibitor sponsors that are looking to connect and impact a mutual audience, they are looking for a marketing campaign and that you can deliver as a platform to do that. Mm -hmm. And they don't necessarily, at least not on the first conversation, really care how it's broken down on the back end. Mm. Right? They want a marketing campaign. They want to invest their dollars so that there's a win-win. Um, so yes, that's the, the gap in the industry. That's my voice that I'm uh, shouting out there is being that communicator and why both organizers are interested in these case studies because I'm able to have these conversations with sales, marketing, business development and saying, where are you spending those dollars? What is working? What expectations do you have? That lead generation, that data, that is so valuable and that's what they're asking for. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot because you, you talked about the strategic referral or strategic partnership pitch. Because uh, okay. basically, you're talking to an audience of them. So, what's your uh, what's your strategic partnership pitch? All right. So, we're talking to speakers, authors, right? Coaches, consultants. Coaches. Yeah. Typically, these are the people that are either speaking at events. Or in some cases, they are the ones hosting and throwing their own events, which oftentimes are some of their best lead generation efforts. Yeah. So they're on both sides. Okay, so a great, uh, great thing is actually ongoing right now that I would love to invite them to is a conversation with me or to take a survey and get their voice heard, mm. right? Yeah. Have they used events? How are they using events? And what are those expectations so that we can communicate that to these event organizers 
And what are your expectations if you're considering? And so I can be that voice. I can share, you know, what it is that you're looking for. And of course I give credit and, you know, make those intros. Mm -hmm. And through that conversation, I have a much better understanding what sort of shows, what sort of audience and what other strategic partners in my own network Mm -hmm. make great intros for them. So Mm -hmm. when I talk to speakers, exhibitors, sponsors, I would love to have that conversation and get them on the right track and even consider if events are really where they want to continue spending their money, time, resources. Um, So that's how I've been partnering with those exhibitor sponsors as well. And uh, that's your audience. So that's why I'm, you know, encouraging that sort of conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And really if you, if they're looking to see how they can reshift what that looks like, I have, um, you know, worksheets and, and freebies that I, I'm more than happy to share with you and mm-hmm. with the audience. And, and where's the best place for them to go just to connect with you and, and check all that stuff out? LinkedIn is the best place to connect with me and some of the content. I also do have a YouTube channel. So that's where I'm having some of these other conversations. I do uh, segments as far as how to actually execute some of the things that we just talked about. So LinkedIn and YouTube are my top to go to. Um, my website, marketinginevents.com just kind of illustrates a little bit more kind of the, the two sides of the table. Um, so if they would like to book a intro call with me, that's really just to get acquainted what they're looking for, what's working, what's not working. Okay. LinkedIn, YouTube, marketinginevents.com are the three places. Gotcha. Awesome. Okay. So we'll make sure that all the links for that are in the show notes. Michelle, this was awesome. Thank you. It's been, <laughs> thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun and just the synergy and I'm excited to, um, to hear really how your audience, your speakers, your podcast, they, they're using the virtual podcasts and stages. Those are a stage. And so yes. I'm very excited to see what they're doing, have those conversations um, and see, see what they're shifting and what their expectations are because you know, I love events. I'm not here to convince anyone that events are an effective platform, but I'm here to help make them effective campaigns. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how your podcasters and your speakers are interested in using events. Mm-hmm. Well, they all are. I guarantee you that. The only question everybody's asking is how in the heck is this going to work for the next six to 12 months? So uh, yes. yeah, this has been exactly what I had in mind. There's a lot of answers and, and unique solutions that you brought to the table that I, I hadn't personally thought about. And I've put a lot of thought about uh, into it. And I think our audience, there's some things there that they wouldn't have thought about. And so, I think, yeah. yeah, this was this was exactly the conversation that I hope for. So, again, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. The, the last nugget that I'll leave, especially your audience being speaker sponsors, is do I want to create my own stage or jump on other people's virtual stages? And that's also a conversation that I'm having because to put on your own virtual event, those logistics, what does that look like, right? It's a little different than maybe what you've done in the past. And so I can have those conversations as well because sometimes it can be very effective and efficient to jump in and collaborate on someone else's virtual stage rather than going through the learning curve and everything else uh, to create your own, at least in the 
current shift. I know. Well, yeah, because especially since it's like everybody's trying to shift while they're flying a Boeing 777 <laughs> yeah. and they're trying to retool it and replace the engine in it. Yeah. Like, um, it's yes. the same thing I tell people if they come into my world and they haven't been getting featured on podcasts first, I'm like, go do that for six months. Then we yes. can talk about starting a podcast for all the yes. reasons you just mentioned. So yes. I, yeah, that hundred percent fits what I tell my clients already. Yep. Yeah. Look for the virtual stages and the partnerships you can jump on where you and your staff aren't doing all the work. The, the work, the logistics, the marketing, you can help mm -hmm. to support and bring your own audience, but you're not necessarily responsible for fulfilling that. Right. Those sort of logistical, I've, I've been spending weeks uh, helping companies even narrow down the different platforms. So that's something too. Those are the type of conversations that I'm having to just assist to make that decision right now. And if you want to use events, where are they? How do I pick the right ones? Uh, if I'm not necessarily interested in putting on my own virtual stage right now. Right. Yeah. Which I know there's a lot of like people in my world that are like that. They're like, man, like I, I enjoy speaking, but man, I don't want to put on my own events, uh, which I get. I don't want to put them yeah. on either. I don't, I don't put right. on my own events ever. Uh, I may yeah. never put on my own events. Um, yeah. I can barely stand to be in the same room with five people <laughs> at one time anyway. So anyway. Right. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, so that's definitely something to consider in those conversations and uh, where I can help is really make sure that we have a streamlined process so that you have a duplicatable system for all of your events that you're going to. Yes, which that would be huge, especially if that yes. becomes more of a reality. And I think it will because I think there's yeah. going to be there's going to be certain events that won't come back. Yep. There's going to be people that step into that gap and start hybrid events to fill the yes. gaps that were left by the events that no longer are held. Like there's going to be all sorts of weird stuff that happens over the next few years. It's yeah. just it's a big time of massive upheaval, which also means it's a time of opportunity. So yeah. Great. All right, so check so you out on great. LinkedIn, YouTube, yes. and uh, yeah, we'll have all the links to that in the show notes. So Michelle, Wonderful. thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Micro Famous Podcast. If you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, connect with us at getmicrofamous.com. It's the best way to take the next step to implementing the Micro Famous strategy in your business so you can attract an audience, build influence, and become the Micro Famous leader you're meant to be. And we'll see you on the next episode.